Welcome to the Picture Book Look Podcast. I'm Kim Chafee. And I'm Kirstie Call. Together, we'll share some of our favorite picture books and chat with their creators to explore the journey from story idea to bookshelf. We'd love you to join us as we take a picture book look. Do you dream of creating picture books that will change a child's life? Start with your own. Learn how to write the story only you can tell at this year's Picture Book Summit, a world-class online conference for picture book authors and illustrators. We hope to see you there on October 2nd, 2021. Visit picturebooksummit.com for more information. Feeling stuck in your creative journey? Needing to change your narrative? Everything you want is possible. As a therapist-trained life coach for creatives, I'm excited to help authors like you create clarity and build self-confidence so you can achieve your dreams. Kirstie can help you get the drama out of your life and into your art. Visit kirstiencall.com. That's K-I-R-S-T-I-N-E-C-A-L-L.com and register for a free consultation today. Hooray! I can't wait for us to work together to get you where you want to be. Hey, Kim. Hey, Kirsty. Any catastrophes with your two cats lately? Um, well, to be completely honest, yes. But it's a little disgusting, oh. so I think I'll spare the <laughs> listeners and pass on sharing the story. That's probably a good decision. I think so, yes. (laughs) Jet the Cat is Not a Cat, written by Faya Creed and illustrated by Terry Runyon, is a book about a cat who is different, and that's that. I love its message. It's okay to be different. It's really a wonderful message. It actually reminds me of your book, Cow Says Meow. And (laughs) I love how the message is wrapped up in so much humor that it doesn't hit kids over the head. We're so excited to talk with Faya, Terry, and Lisa Rosinski about the creative process behind Jet the Cat is Not a Cat. Let's get started. Right meow. Faya, can you tell us about the inspiration for this story? Absolutely. So the original inspiration came from my mother's cat, Eddie, who's this like big, tough black cat, but he loves to swim. Like he does these dainty swims in the bathtub and he loves water. (laughs) And he was the first cat I ever met that loved swimming. And so I just thought that was really cute. And I started thinking that maybe other cats wouldn't understand him. I mean, we might even like accuse him of not being a real cat because he didn't fit this category. So that was <laughs> oh, really fun. I love that category. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like the cats like gatekeeping other cats. Mm-hmm. And this is both like has a heart, but it's also funny because I thought it would be funny to restart the book on every couple pages, like with a new creature that Jet's trying to be. But then as I was writing it, I realized what I was really writing about was when I was younger, when I loved to write stories, I was diagnosed with dyslexia, which is it can be either a reading disability or a writing disability. And for me, it's a writing disability. And so I couldn't grasp spelling. I couldn't grasp grammar. And I'm actually getting upset thinking about it because it was so frustrating. My teachers kept telling me, you need to try harder. You need to try mm-hmm. harder. I literally wasn't capable of doing. And so like really early, maybe third grade, I 
got this idea that real writers didn't have dyslexia. So I put aside writing for a long time, but I couldn't give it up forever. So when I was in my 20s, I started doing it again. And that's really what the story was about is like, not just the external gatekeepers that say, you don't fit this category, but this sort of internal gatekeeper that says, you're not perfect at this, therefore you should not even do it. Oh, I love that. Mm. And you know, I have two kids with dyslexia who cannot spell at all. Yeah, I, I still can't spell. I'm at peace with that. <laughs> I'm at peace with it. <laughs> it's okay. And this is what I tell yeah. my kids. You know what? Yeah. That's why we have spell check. That's why you have other Girl. people who can read. Yes. You don't need to be able to <laughs> right? spell to write. So no, no that's my job. Exactly. <laughs> great segue. So grateful. Yeah. So what was it about this story that made you want to acquire it? Well, I just have to say, first of all, that I have not actually heard Faya tell that full story before. And it's very moving to hear you speak about it, Faya. Also, I too have a swimming cat. <laughs> Her name is Tiny Cat. Oh and she likes to get oh, in the bathtub. Oh, so cute. With my toddler. <laughs> While he's taking a bath, or at least she likes to try. She usually chickens out at the last minute, but um, that's really fun. That's so cute. Anyway, I connected <laughs> with Faya at NSBWI New England Agents and Editors Day back in 2018. <laughs> I went on a maternity leave in 2019, so it was spring 2020 before we finally acquired the book, and now it's coming out in spring 2021. Wow, um, that's quick. But it was fast. One of the things I always look for in a manuscript for a picture book is the visual potential. Is this going to look compelling and engaging for kids. What will the art look like? I just immediately started to see the illustrations with the cat swimming and singing and trying to fly and the speech bubbles <laughs> everywhere. And it cracked me up. And I have to say also that I just love the voice. And that's one of those things that you really can't force or manufacture with a book. Kids will see right through that. Even when Faye and I email each other, you can hear her voice come through in everything she writes. <laughs> just bubbles with enthusiasm and excitement and humor and wacky ideas. It's just natural and organic. And when I find that, I flag it and I say, we have to get this book. Yes. That's wonderful. That. So now you have this vision in your head of what the art might look like. Can you tell us what your illustrator selection process was? For the sure. Book? Yeah. So we're a very small team at Barefoot. Everyone wears a lot of hats. And that is actually one of my favorite parts of my job is that I get to acquire and edit and project manage all my books. But I also get to pick the illustrators and then art direct the books from start to finish. I'm really doing that part of my job basically all the time. Like when I'm reading newsletters and emails from agents and publishers, I'm looking for illustrators. Then when I'm window shopping at the bookstore on my walk, when I'm on social media, even when I'm playing with puzzles with my kid, I'm looking for illustrators and artists that I want to work with. And I keep little lists floating around so that I have the person at my fingertips when the perfect project comes along. And we're also extremely selective at Barefoot with our illustrators. That part of the process often takes the longest. For this book, we looked at a few different illustrators who didn't feel quite right. I don't even know if Terry knows this, but we <laughs> tried out some other people and just nothing felt quite right. And then our brilliant business manager, Helen Kistler, suggested Terry, whose work she was following on Instagram. And our design director, Sarah Soldano, was like, oh, yeah, I'm also a huge fan of her cat drawing videos. Have you guys seen this? And we all watched the cat drawing videos. And then, of course, <laughs> I fell in love with her work, too. So perfect. <laughs> Terry and I had a call to discuss the project, and I met her cats. <laughs> that really Yay! sealed the deal. <laughs> That's how we found Terry. Wow. So, Terry, what made you say yes to working on this project? Well, the cats really enjoyed the idea. And they told me that this might be a really incredible project. They also approved the manuscript. They thought it was really <laughs> funny and they had gone through some of those very same things themselves. Yeah, but I could not take it. It was written so beautifully and I thought this would be so fun to illustrate. Yes, it's wonderful. So Faye, can you give us a look into what the writing process was like for the story? Oh my goodness. So I am like a dyed in the wool 
plotter. Like I do not sit down to write until I basically have a draft of the story in my head. Terry's actually working with me on this to try to loosen up my process. It's been very nice. (laughs) But for this story, like once I had the opening phrase, which that was a cat, just like any other cat, I just wanted to repeat that over and over again with every animal. And so once I had that sort of framework, it was really about finding, you know, what other animals would be the most fun and logical. So in the original draft, actually, I had a billion different animals that I went with, but the first one, there was a fish was the first creature that Jet turned into. I had a draft where it would heighten to an alien. That actually went to you, Lisa, didn't it? And we cut the alien. Yeah, I forgot about that actually. Mm -hmm. Well, there was one more where I went from bird to alien to mythological creature. I I was like, oh, this is so meta. Like, this is so (laughs) And the mythological creature was some sort of, I found it on the internet. It was called a Tatzelverm. It was like a (laughs) Scandinavian (laughs) (laughs) dragon with a cat face. And I was like, got a cat face. Oh, this is so great. And my critique group was like, okay, or like you can keep it really simple and just make it a bunch of animals that naturally progress into each other, which was really fun. And I actually had one critique partner who sat down with me. She was like, your structure needs to be tighter. This is why critique partners are so important. She's like, every section needs to be exactly the same. That's Mm -hmm. why it's going to be a satisfying read aloud. And so then I finally fit it into this framework, which let me, you know, break the pattern on purpose rather than randomly. And once Lisa acquired it, obviously your editor is like, your book teacher. So she just taught me how to make it into a real story as as opposed to sort of like a list of fun things. So we cut the fish because it was too similar to the frog. Mm -hmm. And then I think we we cut the alien and we needed another animal. And I went to Twitter actually, and I did a little poll to see what animal people thought was like the funniest animal at a list of a couple and everyone voted goat. And I thought that was really helpful because I wanted to know, obviously my heightening, it's a little wacky. And so I wanted to see what like most people would think was the funniest place to go. And so playing with a goat was really fun because I'm, I'm actually obsessed with goats. Like goats are just really bizarre to me. I love goats. And then trying to figure out what the big sort of like climax, we came up with this just like rapid fire. Like, oh, you're not this. You could be this. You could be that. You'd be a skunk. You'd be a skink. You could be a boop doop doop doo which I thought was really funny. And then ending with a school librarian, which is, which is, I love that. I love it too. <laughs> so perfect. <laughs> I don't think I would have gotten there without Lisa. I definitely wouldn't have. It, first of all we love librarians and second of all it's so absurd but like within a world of that kids know I just felt very satisfied with that experience and I just sort of the story went from being like something that was more like almost inside jokey with me being like this is funny to like something that was I believe uh child friendly and funny but like we're all in on the joke which I thought was really fun yes I love that so Lisa, what was the editing process like? I think people just don't realize how hard it is to write a story with only a few hundred words in it. And I always say, I really stand by this, the fewer the words, the harder it is. Um, So it's just nifty to hear how Faya talks about her own process of editing it down. We changed the fish to a goat. And that was when I got paid for my professional job to watch funny baby goat videos. (laughs) Because I was trying to help (laughs) Faya come up with a verb. Like, what does the goat do that Jet wants to do? And so we settled on prancing. And I will just say, if you've never watched a video of baby goats prancing, you should check them out. I did pull out some of the best sentences from her editorial emails. <laughs> My colleagues so, and I like to say that, you know, in this job, we get to write sentences that nobody else would take seriously that we are doing for our <laughs> professional jobs. We had the unanimous team vote was for the goat. I love it. <laughs> we had, I edited the frog's line to be easier to read, which inspired me to add a fast tadpole cameo. <laughs> 
(laughs) (laughs) I think that that could be like our indie band that we start after this fast tadpole cameo. There you go. Love it. Uh, My favorite one. This is for that long list of everything that Jet could be. I have now changed the certified public accountant to a pink fairy armadillo. (laughs) 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 And believe it or not, I had just researched pink fairy armadillos for a different book I was working on. No way. About animals. So I knew all about pink fairy armadillos. So that was. They're a real thing? They're They're a real thing. They're so pretty. Terry, can you share with us what it was like to illustrate this book and what your process is in general for illustrations? I also worked closely with Lisa on this, and I have to say she is amazing at really bringing characters to life. I started off with sketches. We went back and forth a little bit on that, but mostly I just went ahead with Jet and built characters around that and did layouts for the pages so the story kind of flowed and there was enough interest on each page. It was so great with Lisa because she would say, what if you really exaggerate that expression? Or what if Jed has a megaphone? You know, those kinds of things. And as an illustrator, I'm like, oh, I thought I had it figured out at first. And then I did what she asked and it was the best change ever. Art directors are there for a reason. And I really appreciated all of her input. So it was just fun from the start to the finish. And how can you go wrong with Jet? So Barefoot put together a beautiful file for me to use that had, what was the words used on that? We decided finally to use the word cat. We went around, should it be meow? Should it be purr? Should it, but we translated the word cat into, I want to say eight different languages, but I can't even remember now. And that's what that pattern is that's on Jet. Oh, wow. And that worked really well. So, That's so interesting. I just wanted to jump in and say that one of the best parts of working with a really fabulous, talented illustrator is what they bring that you don't art direct. And to me, that was one of the most fun parts of the process was, you know, I'd send Terry back notes, but then she would send me something that I hadn't even thought of, like those little squirrels that are everywhere and the cute little interactions that they have with the other characters. And sometimes she would come up with a facial expression that I could not possibly have described in words, but she would just interpret it visually. And I'd say that's exactly what we needed right there. So that part of the process is always really fun for me. And it's an interesting balance as an art director between asking for, you know, what your vision is, but then also giving the creator room to play and room to try things out and surprise you. And so that's something that I always strive to get is that balance of, you know, am I giving them enough leeway to play around? And, you know, once I see what they come up with, that's often one of the best parts of the process is to be surprised. And I I always felt like I was playing, you know, that after I got over my, this is my artwork, find the way it is phase. um, (laughs) I realized, wow, Terry, this is excellent. Helped me to grow as an illustrator. So, and that's the best part of the process as a writer too. I think, I mean, I'm also a writer and for me, it's exactly that way. You write something, your first draft feels great. You're like, well, this is Mm -hmm. done. Isn't it perfect? And then someone comes along and gives you feedback and you're like, how dare you? And then you (laughs) percolate on it for a little while and you kind of think, okay, well maybe they have a point. And by draft 17, you look back at draft one and you're like, how how did I possibly think that was done? But it's, It's that middle part, I think, that is simultaneously the scariest and also the whole reason why I do it, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Absolutely. And that's why Kirstie and I love doing this podcast is because we get to talk to everyone that's involved because it really is a team process and effort. It's everybody working together. And there's such a synergy in this book between the art and the words and the text. And you all did such a fantastic job of putting the book together. 
Love it. Yay. Thank you. So our last question, Lisa, we'll start with you. When someone reads Jet the Cat is not a cat, what do you hope they feel or learn? I think most of all, I hope that it gives people a good chuckle and they want to read it again and again. I will say that we tested it with our in-house kid testers, aka (laughs) our own kids, and they just crack up seeing the cover, which says Jet the Cat is not a cat over a very large picture of a cat who is clearly a cat. (laughs) I hope that kids just really get the humor and want to read it again. But I also hope that, you know, the gentle message really comes through, which is not just that everyone is unique. It's, it's more than that. It's that it's a celebration of the fact that when you embrace things that make you different or might even make you feel weird sometimes, that's what frees you to truly be happy being yourself. What a powerful message. So what about you, Harry? When someone reads Jet the Cat is not a cat, what do you hope they feel or learn? Think about the cover is this bossy bird is saying is not a cat. So Jet's really surprised. So there's really an intrigue to that. It's like, what, what's going on here? It really invites kids and parents to look at the book more and to really see what's happening in the story. Also got the butterfly coming in as the little sidekick. Wonderful. Faya, how about you? When someone reads your book, what do you hope they feel or learn? A lot of books are definitely focused on learn to love yourself, accept yourself. And I think that's the key to everything is to be yourself 100% all the time. And also don't let other people dim your light. Kids get that message a lot, mm-hmm. which is great. But there's also the other side to it, which is don't dim other people's lights. Like, don't be Tom the cat <laughs> that right? comes along and is like, you're weird. Because in the end, guess what, Tom? You have a secret that makes you think you're weird. I believe that all people are weird. And if we could just love our weirdness. The weirdness actually is the thing that is the most beautiful. A big thank you to Faya, Terry, and Lisa for joining us today and giving us a look into the creative process for Jet the Cat is Not a Cat. Check out the show notes to learn more about Faya and Terry. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And we would love it if you would leave us a review. Thanks for listening and happy Happy looking. Picture Book Look is produced by Kirsty Call and Kim Chafee. Music by James Call.